When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Giles here. And knowing that we have a family audience and the purple people often include some very young people, just to say that today's episode does include some language that some people may find uncomfortable or offensive. Welcome to Something Rhymes with Purple, live from London's Fortune Theatre. Wow. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Joining us. This is the start of our tour. Uh, we'll have a monthly residency, won't we, Giles? And it's very theatre until next February. But we're also off to Oxford. Can't wait for that. That's my hometown. We're going to be at the Oxford Playhouse, which is the theatre I know well, because in the 1970s, I was the artistic director of the Oxford Theatre Festival. Are you? And I'll be telling you lots of name-dropping stories of stars... <laughs> of stage and screen who appeared there in the 1970s when I was running it. We are today in the Fortune Theatre in Covent Garden in the West End of London. Do you know much about the Fortune Theatre? No, no. I want you to tell me all about it. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about it. It's one of London's smallest theatres. It's beautiful. It's sort of built in an Italian style. It was built in the 1920s. On this ground, I mean, we're, we're very close. This is the heart of theatre land. It's Covent Garden. A stone's throw from here is the Theatre Royal Drury Lane, a magnificent theatre, one of the largest theatres in London. That uh, was the home of stealing someone's thunder. Remember that? Yeah, I do. Remind people yes. of that expression. 1709, February the 5th. Shall I tell the story? No, you tell the story. Okay. There was a playwright critic called John Dennis who had written a play that by all accounts was very turgid. It was called Appius in Virginia and had nothing going for it except uh, a thunder-making machine or at least a machine that replicated the sound of thunder. And despite having this going for it, it, it closed after a very short run. He very happily went along to the next uh, performance, which was the Scottish play. He was sitting in the audience, apparently, very much enjoying it, when from the stage he heard booming the sound of his very own thunder-making machine. And he stood up and said, and we have two contemporaries who wrote accounts of this afterwards, he stood up and said, damn them, they will not let my play run, but they steal my thunder. So there you are. You are, yeah, exactly, worth a round of applause. So we, this is where language is made, where theatre is made, this part of the world. We are in the heart of London, and we thought that we would have a uh, sort of London theme, didn't we? Yes, we did, and we chose this actually before, obviously, Her Majesty the Queen died, and bells were very, very much part of the whole period of mourning, really, um, weren't they? So we chose this theme before, but I think it's got even more resonance now. Good. Uh, so if the sound is working, I think we have some big... Ben yes, Q. Q. <laughs> Just one. Okay. Uh, it's a, okay. Now you went to the funeral, didn't you? 
I was in attendance on the funeral. Yes. I was at Westminster Abbey for the funeral. You were. Didn't Big Ben ring out 96 times? They did. Yeah. They rang, the, the bell tolled 96 times yeah, to mark... Yeah, for each year of her life. Yeah. So moving. So, yeah. so impressive. Well, yeah. Now, tell, so tell me, ben. do you know a lot about Big Ben? I mean, can you answer the question, is it the name of the bell or the name of the tower? Um, you know the answer. What is it? Well, it's the bell not the name of the tower. And the tower was uh, originally called the Clock Tower, St. Stephen's Tower, but then it was renamed the Elizabeth Tower, I think, in 2012 um, to mark the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Yes, it was. Yeah. And I have actually been up the tower because I was, as some of you may know, in the 1990s, I was a member of parliament. I was a member of parliament, in fact, until the people spoke. And I always remind Giles of a quote that made it into the Oxford Dictionary of Humorous Quotations or just the Oxford Dictionary of Quotations, which is Giles is an MP saying, happiness is the sight of your constituency in the rear view mirror. <laughs> Look, remember that? The, the truth is, uh, by the time I lost my seat five years later, by then I knew <laughs> I had contempt for my constituents. But... It came as a bit of a shock to the system to find the feeling was entirely mutual. <laughs> and it did not help that my darling wife put our house in the constituency up for sale <laughs> during the election campaign. <laughs> She's here in the audience today. And she will remember that in uh, 1997, you know, on every other house in the street, it said, vote Brandreth, vote Brandreth, vote Brandreth. <laughs> on our house, it said, for sale. <laughs> I said to her, Michelle, this is not sending out quite the right signal. She said, darling, the signal is immaterial. These people really don't like you. Um, and so it proved. But when I was an MP, I did, and I'm not very good at heights, uh, but it's all enclosed, I climbed up the St. Stephen's Tower, as it then was, yeah. before it became the Elizabeth Tower. Uh, and it's, it's pretty tall. And then you get, then you get to the clock and the, the bell, and it's the bell that's called Big it's Ben. It's the bell that's called Ben. Now, do you know why it's called Ben? No. I don't. Okay. Big bad Ben. I don't. Well, two theories. I think one of them less likely than the other. One is that it is named after a bare-knuckle boxer from the 19th century whose nickname was Big Ben. He was called Ben Caunt. Say that very carefully. C-A-U-N-T. So that's one theory. The second theory, which is much more likely, is that it was named after Sir Benjamin Hall. And he was a civil engineer, served in the House of Commons for more than 30 years. But crucially, he saw the rebuilding of Westminster, essentially following a fire in the 19th century. So I think more, much more likely to be him. And there's a Times of London report from October the 22nd, 1856, which adds a bit of weight to that theory. It says, all bells, we believe, are christened before they begin to toll. And on this occasion, it's proposed to call our King of Bells, Big Ben, in honour of Sir Benjamin Hall, etc. Very good. So it's interesting, that, isn't it, that we know, because we name cannons and sort of machines of war. Ah. Uh, we give them sort of quite euphemistic nicknames. But Sometimes bells, female ones, Big Bertha. Big Bertha. What was she? Big Bess. I can't remember who Big Bertha was. Oh. She was Siege Siege cannon. Yeah, and Big Bess was... was uh, Big Bess as well. Well, so we're going to talk about bells. Ding dong! Ah, now, ding dong, talk about the dictionary of quotations. I hope that is credited to Leslie Phillips, um, one of my oh, favourite yes. actors. So for me, if I'm feeling low, not that I ever do feel, if I feel really low, I look at my screensaver, then I see the picture of Susie. My morale is boosted immediately. Um, <laughs> but if I feel low and I want some comfort viewing, if it's a film that has in the cast either Terry Thomas... Ian Carmichael or Leslie Phillips, I know I'm in for a good time. Okay. 
And I feel ding dong. Didn't you say things like ding, ding dong? dong? Oh, that's more like yes, it. Ding it. dong. Yes, lovely yes. man. And do you remember the rule that means it's ding dong and not dong ding? Yes, you often tell me about this. It's something to do with the, the euphonics, the way it sounds. Yes, exactly. Now, so what is the rule called? The rule, the rule is beautifully called the rule of ablaut reduplication. Ablaut reduplication. And it's all about sound, but it's one of the... We have no rules in English, do we, really? No, it's I'm like our constitution. We make work. it up as we go along. Yes, and, we do. And hope for the best. We do. But this is a kind of unwritten law that we know about the sound, so we don't wear flop flips or eat cat kits or dally dilly and shally shilly. Very good. And play pomping, which I love. <laughs> uh, OK. okay. So, should we, well, I call we it waff whiff. Uh, oh, it's yes. actually whiff waff, isn't it? Waff. Yeah. Isn't, yeah, I remember. So let's, let's explore, if we may, words to do with bells. Can yes. we start with the word bell? Yes, you can. Where's that come from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, bell is, uh, well, it's, it's old English and it has lots and lots of different roots and, and what we call cognates in lots of different languages. But I think, ultimately, we don't know, unlike cloche, and cloak and clock, etc., which are all to do with the, the shape of a bell, uh, we don't quite know where bell itself began. Like a very ancient root. Ah, and it's nothing to do with beauty. The beautiful sound of the oh. bell, bell. bell as in... No, no. That's a nice idea, though. Yeah. Ding dong bell, puss is in the well. Who put her in? <laughs> yeah, anyway, send for the RSPCA. OK, so the bell chimes. Ask not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. So toll and chime. Give me those two. Toll, can you tell me a toll? Yes, so toll is simply German again. So they always remind us that we are a Germanic language at heart, even though we've got so many words from the Normans and uh, hence from Latin and also Greek. But yes, it's a Germanic, Germanic word. Chime is related to symbol, in fact, which is quite nice. And that, Explain that. ultimately goes back to the Greek uh, for a cup because of the shape. So the shape of a symbol is a little bit like a sort of broad cup. And chime, that ch sound, is behind it as well because the original Greek also had that ch sound. The Very chime good. bell. So the bells, you find the bells in the belfry. Mm -hmm. So what would the origin of that be? We don't know the origin of bell, but free? Mm. Yeah, well, actually, we changed this to make it match with bell, but it didn't start out that way. It started oh. out with um, Bergfried, which was a Germanic word meaning a place of shelter. So the very first meaning of belfry was a, a wooden tower or a fortification, really. And then in its simplest form, it was like a sort of penthouse or a shed, you know, like a sort of appendage, really. But it didn't, belfries didn't have bells in originally. No, they didn't. So they were to give shelter during sieges and things and so there were towers from that point of view but because they often housed bells we decided that it must be bell free not berg free because we often change these foreign words because we can't pronounce them as you know gosh and when did this happen this that was sort of middle english period so we're talking you know 600 years ago also yeah well that's further ago for you than it is for me <laughs> uh, now people who are interested in bell ringing are called Campanologists? Campanologists, yes, they are. Campanology. I want to know the link between camping about, as in, you know, what Kenneth Williams might be up to, and <laughs> campanology to do with bells. OK, so nothing to do with camping out. You know, that camp is part of a very prestigious family that gave us champagne, it gave us um, campus, all to do with a large area in ancient Rome where military practice would go on and athletic exercises, campus martius in ancient Rome as well. So any flat expanse of ground gave us campus, 
It also gave us Champagne because that's a large, expansive, rather flat land in France. And it gave us camping out, like an and, encampment. And campaign, a campaign that Campaign as well, and champion too. So they're all related to this large, expansive They are all related to that, but not to campanologists, which simply goes back to the Latin campana, which means a bell. Come on, don't rush me. Okay. Uh, the, the large space, uh, being camp, if yes. you're camping about uh, in the field... Ah. Is that connected? Yes. So if you're being camp, that I have a feeling, I'm going to look this one up, but I have a feeling we don't actually know. And I think it dates back to Victorian times, the idea okay. of being camp, but I, it may be 1920s. It's relatively recent. What do you think? I just say so campanology is from the Latin campana, meaning bell. Uh, camp is an adjective, flamboyant art or theatrical. Yes. Especially linked to the gay community, Maybe it says the French succombe to assume a proud, bold, or provocative posture to strike a pose, but we don't know where that comes from. Um, two more theories yes. here. So, alternative, it says, and less likely etymologies are from the swagger and dash of military life from the military camps. Oh, on the, oh, on the campaign or trail. No, no, notorious licentiousness of camp followers. Well, Possibly, do, you, it says. do you know the play The Recruiting Officer by Thomas Farquhar? No. So what? Oh, it's a one. What? Uh, Sorry. No. You say it like that as if no. you're proud of your ignorance. No, I do. You should be deeply ashamed. Any I am. educated person should know. Uh, it's a wonderful play, and I was lucky enough to see it when it was last done. I think at the National Theatre, which was, of course, a few years ago in the 1960s. Laurence Olivier was in it. Uh, Robert Stevens was in it. Maggie Smith was in it. And interestingly, the, they were very flamboyant. It, it, it's called the recruiting officer. It was full of oh, Captain Brazen is one of the characters, so-called. Um, Captain Plume is another of the characters. The, the, the play is set in the 1780s. Okay. Uh, and Farquhar, you know, was writing his pieces quite a while ago. We're talking about restoration. Yeah. Um, so after, you know, the restoration of uh, Charles II. So this is a long time ago. And clearly this kind of camp, these were military figures. So I'm suddenly thinking... Maybe. I mean, we don't know this, but this is the joy of this programme. If you're listening around the world, or if you're a, a military person, an old field marshal, I've known it all the time. Nothing to do with those silly people on the radio. You know, uh, you know after you, Julian, and Mrs. Me, Sandy, it's all to do with the campaigns. Uh, do write in and let us know what you think about this. Purple at somethingelse.com. I agree. So we've, we've learned something there. We have learned so something. So that's campanology. And now we talked about tintinabulation, didn't Please. we? Which I love. Tintinabulation is just the ringing of bells and it goes back to... The, so even the Romans had tintulabulare, which is... Sorry, that's to Italian. Tintilabiolo, the tinkling of bells, which is just gorgeous. And what about titinus? Is it the same? Tinnitus, Tinnitus. <laughs> oh, no, no, Mrs. No, no, titter ye not. Titter ye not. No, no, no. Yes, titinus. T forget it. <laughs> Tinnitus. Tinnitus, is same that thing. the same A thing? A ringing in your ears. It's the same thing. So yeah. It's the same thing. Yes. Tintinabulation and titinus. <laughs> But no, but yes. they are interesting because it is tintinabulation, isn't it? Tintinabulation. But with tinnitus, there's no T. Tinnitus. Tinnitus. It's not, it's not tintitus. It's tinnitus, but then tintinabulation. So I can see why you're slightly... You can see there's a slight confusion there. You can see. I'm just trying to get myself out of, out the, of, this. Out of the well. Ding yes. dong well. What about tubular bells? Actually, oh, yeah, of... made famous by Mike Olf Mac Oldfield, was, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, so they are. Oh, by the way, met him. I've met him. 
Any stories? Very nice guy. Yes, but not ones that we can broadcast. <laughs> Moving okay. swiftly on. So okay. they're just kind of vertically suspended bells, aren't they? That are tubes that are struck with a mallet. Those are tubular bells. There's the, um, the sally. Do you know what the sally is when it comes to a bell? No. That's the fluffy bit of the rope that's covered in wool, you know, that you, <sighs> that you pull. Have you ever done bell ringing? I would love to. Just, I promise you, I'm positive I would go up with the bell if I did it. Well, that's does part that of... Does that ever happen? That is... Does it ever happen? It always happens, particularly when you're young. I started oh, belling. That that's, oh, that might be Oh, no, then. people regularly, you have to learn how to do it. You have to learn to let go. You pull it down, and then you're supposed to let go and then catch it. If, uh, if you well, hang on to it, it, it just takes you up again. Yeah. Um, but it's quite fun. You I know. quite like that, actually. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. Bell ringing is marvellous. So yeah. the rope, you're telling us, what is that? So the fluffy bit that gives you a bit of a grip. Yes, that often is, is multicoloured, red or blue. Uh, it's called a sally. Sally, and I don't know if it's because you sally forth, if, like me, you get pulled upwards, or if it's just because we like giving names, don't we, personal names to all sorts of things. Uh, what about a carillon of bells? A carillon? A carillon, carillon yeah, carillon. That's a set of bells it's kind of automatically mechanized i think and it's a bit like a piano roll there's no saying i think i'm the one asking you is it or okay. is it not what I, is a carillon well, i, know where, I, I, I thought it was comes from. i thought I'm you, sure you'd listen to a carillon of bells when it's a kind of bell ringing yeah. the, the, the whole program is known as a carillon but maybe not i think it's a peal of four bells ah. but played on this equivalent of a piano roll i haven't actually seen one but it comes it's at its heart is the latin cattle four because it's four bells. Remind me, when we come back after the break, because you just reminded me of something um, about Swiss cowbells. Oh, I want to know about Swiss cowbells. But do you ever get annoyed by bells? Because where we live, my wife and I and our children, we live in West London, and we live in a village called Barnes, and we have a lovely church, St Mary's, where they're brilliant bell ringers. But I do know that there are people who live closer to the church than we do, who sometimes find the bells a bit infuriating when a wedding is about to happen and they're practicing. Do you ever find, do they ever no, annoy you? School, school bells, definitely, but not church bells. I love them. Can I give us one more bell word before we take our break? Yes. Clap up. Is there not a word? Oh, like there the clappers? is. Yeah, that is the sort of ringing, the, the thing that strikes the bell and that makes the noise. The, the so thing inside is the clapper. Go like the clappers. It's not the metal bit and the ball, is it the whole thing? It is the thing? metal bit and the ball. That, and the that, ball, that yeah. is called a clapper. That's the clapper. And we go like the clappers because we're going like that. We go so like the clappers. like you talks fast and a lot, uh, you go like the clappers. <laughs> you go like the clappers. Can I say I've hardly breathed a word? <laughs> but the time has gone like the clappers. It means it's now time for our break. I think it is time for our break. We will be back. This is Something Rhymes with Purple. We're at the Fortune Theatre in London's Covent Garden, and we're talking about bells. We've been in the world of tintinabulation, campanology, yeah. and we're going to meet some of the audience in this part of the podcast. But when we went for our break, you were going to tell me about cow Swiss cowbells. Cow Swiss cowbells. Oh, no, it's just really interesting, because I've just been doing a lot of study of emotions and the history of our emotions. And nostalgia was one of the ones that I looked at. And nostalgia, which was called originally mal du pays, the sickness of the country or country sickness, was diagnosed by a Swiss physician who noticed real physical effects in Swiss soldiers who would have nausea, 
they would have intense depression, but just headaches. Sometimes he even thought it was fatal. And he put it down to the intense jangling of Swiss cowbells and that it had somehow sort of caused these kind of neural dysfunctions, but that this feeling that they had was caused by the longing to return home and the longing to return home to that sound. So it was almost as if it was addictive. And then it was renamed Nostalgia. So Nostalgia was really a big business and a pretty nasty one originally. And now we just have, you know, 70s Nostalgia nights, don't we? <laughs> it's kind of gone down in the world a bit. Well, you, you may. My whole life is a 1950s Nostalgia <laughs> night. <laughs> I first went to Switzerland in the 1950s when I was a little boy and my, my parents sent me, I was seven years of age, they sent me on my own to Switzerland and uh, they couldn't stand the way I wouldn't stop talking at home. <laughs> so they sent me off to Switzerland on my own and I got out of the, it was quite easy, I went by train and got out at Zurich but the confusion was that I could speak French. That's why they sent me. But I, my German was a bit rusty, age seven, and so it was a bit difficult to getting across you know, to get the train to where I had to go. But eventually I got to where I had to go, where I was met. And I was staying at this kind of holiday home for international children whose parents didn't like them very much. And uh, what I remembered most was walking down a hill one day, uh, a whole group of us, and we were made to hold hands. We didn't, you know, we were only seven years old. Yeah. So we didn't sort of... And the girl on the end of the line held on to a fence uh, around a field of cows with the bells ding-donging which was charming, except the fence was an electric fence. <laughs> and it literally, it went through all of those children, ten children in a row, got little electric shocks. Yeah, amazing. When we next talk about Switzerland, I've got a, long, <laughs> I've got a lot of stories to tell you. Okay. But I know we're supposed to be talking about bells today, so let's stick... We let, uh, see, The point is, you mentioned Switzerland, and it rings a bell. Tell me about the phrases we rings associate with. Oh, yes, we've got lots of phrases. Well, yes, yeah, so we ring in the changes. Don't we? I'll come back to rings a bell because it has a meaning that you might not expect. So to ring in the changes, that's the kind of vary the way in which you do something really. And that is simply about bell ringing and the different orders in which a peal of bells may be rung. That's one of them. To ring a bell. Did you know what the very first meaning of that was in the 15th century? To ring a bell? Mm -hmm. To is ring someone's bell. Oh, something to do with the plague possibly? No, it was to cause a person to experience orgasm. Oh! That is how it's defined in the dictionary in the in 15th In the 15th century, do I ring your bell, madam? Is that the idea? Well, uh, yes, uh, back somebody to ding said, dong. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you, uh, how do we know? Uh, excuse me. This is Actually, the OED. Yeah, I know it's the OED, okay. but you were used to work for the OED. Justify how they can spring in the 15th century? From the, the phrase ring a bell, meaning yes. having an orgasm. This is from Green's Early English Carols. When Jack had done, though he rang the bell, all night there he made me to dwell. I'm not sure that's such a nice thing. But, <laughs> okay, this is not going to go in the podcast. This is from 1593. He was, do you really want to hear this? We definitely do. Okay. We, he it's was, in the interest of science. <laughs> He was pleased by her with wagging his bauble and ringing his bell while she picked his pocket and cut his purse. So she obviously was up to no good. This is not good. A pretty slight of a slattering slut. Well, it's got some alliteration. Yes. I, I still, I can see that it's got connotations, ring his bell and all that. Yeah. I don't actually think that, that you can say it definitely means having an orgasm. Not now, but it did in the 15th century. 
but drawn from those two examples. No, there's lots of them, but I won't, you know. Um, if we wanted to consult the Oxford English Dictionary, is it available for sale? I mean, how could I get into that? And now you're interested. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, yeah, this, you can get a subscription, you go to any public library and you can go and have a look. So Good. that's where you'll be going now. I will, well, no, because I want to find out more. Um, okay. And what about Saved by the Bell? That's when you okay. achieved the orgasm so and you felt, I've got away with it. <laughs> Just to keep with bell ring, to ring a bell to awaken a memory, that's 1933. So that, that meaning is much more recent. And that's simply just sort of, you know, letting something resonate in your head, ringing a bell in your head. And to ring the bell was to carry off the prize. You know those strength testing machines at fairs, fun fairs, where you yes. powered, have you ever done one of those? Have I done one? I've broken it often. <laughs> okay, Bells so that was... Oh, saved by done, the Bell. Saved by the Bell? What's that? That's a boxing reference. Explain. Uh, so if you're being uh, pummeled and the bell goes at the end of the round, you have been saved by the bell. Yeah. yeah. Um, bells and whistles? Yes, it's all bells and whistles. What does that mean? I like that. To do with an elaborate train or a fairground? Um, yeah, actually to do with old fairground organs that had all sorts of bells and uh, whistles attached to them. And we have Be There With Bells On. Yes, I'll Be There With Bells On. That, I think that's another reference to the bells and whistles. Oh, is it? Or is it to there? To, I don't know. I'm picturing a court jester with those, oh, yeah, hat, those three-cornered hats mm. with a little bell on the end. Could that be it? Be There With Bells On. Be, be There With Bells On. Possibly. Uh, what, what was the... There's a nursery rhyme again with somebody with rings on her fingers and bells on her... Oh, yes. Ride a cock horse. Thank you, madam. To um, Banbury Fair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's about Lady Godiva, isn't it? Is that about Lady Godiva? I think it might be about Lady Ride Godiva. Ride a cock horse to Banbury Cross to see a fine lady upon, upon a fine horse, horse with rings on her fingers and bells, bells on, on her toes. toes. She, she shall have music wherever she, she goes. goes. So she had on her toes, on her shoes, do you think she I don't know if it was. I know uh, Gore Blimey comes from the story of Lady Godiva. Tell us about Gore Blimey. Uh, well, it was Peeping Tom, wasn't it? So Peeping Tom was said to be voyeuristic and was it that everybody was sent to their houses as she rode naked through the town? Uh, I think, am I right in thinking it was in protest at her husband's taxation? Yeah. 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 And, it's um, always the man's fault. You can take that for his red. Of course. Uh, slightly draconian taxation rules. And Tom was just, he couldn't resist, so he looked. So he was the original Peeping Tom. And in some versions of the story, he was then blinded. And so when we say gore blimey, that's a euphemism for God blind me. And it's said to look back to that story. Oh, this is why people listen to the podcast. It's fantastic. So anything else? This is the time, I think, when we throw the questions open to the audience yes. and we, we will answer anything, really, won't we? Now, what happens here? If you've been listening to the podcast, and we've done about 180 episodes now, mm -hmm. if you're new to it, feel free to go back and feel free to get in touch. We love people communicating with us and we're available on social media, but you can send us an email, purple at somethingelse.com. And Susie does, you know, research to try and make sure she comes up with the right answer. But today, because we're here live in this lovely theatre in the West End of London. Um, I know it's frustrating for people who are listening to us in Sydney or Seattle, but I think we've got somebody from Seattle who is oh, here today. Have. Maybe we they'd have. like to say hello to us and talk a little... And originally from Georgia. <laughs> That's fantastic. So today we thought we'd just have questions from people who are here in the audience. So if you've got a question you'd like to ask... Actually, before we start, you had one for me which I had to look up because you said, why is a man called a rake? I knew that one. But you oh, said, yes. Why is when we came onto the stage earlier, I realised the stage had quite a sharp rake yeah. going down. And I said to Susie, what is the origin of the word rake? 
Why are men sometimes called rakes? And why is the slope on this stage known as a rake? Uh, so, the rake that is here on the stage, and I didn't realise it was called that, goes back to an old English word, raku, R-A-C-U, which means a, street, a steep valley or ravine. Uh -huh. So it's all about something that's steep-sided. But the rake, the cad, the scoundrel, is from rake hell, and it was somebody considered so immoral that they would go and rake through the embers of hell to find what they needed. Gosh. Yeah, it's a bit grim, isn't it? it it's Gripping, actually. So you've had some, we've, you've got some of the questions that people I have. have. In, and these are from people in the audience. These are from people so in the audience. So read them out. Do we want them also to speak them out or we're we just going to read them out? Well, we can maybe, we can re read them out and then they can identify themselves. Good. If they should so choose. This is from Nicholas from Michigan. Michigan? Is he in the room? Yeah, so oh, Nicholas says... come from Michigan. Thank you so much. Well, you won't... Uh, I, I would reserve no, no, your thanks, uh, that, I'd reserve your thanks, because Nicholas says, what's your show about? I've been dragged here by my husband. Oh. <laughs> 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 OK. That's very funny. The, the, the show is called Something Rhymes With Purple, and it's all about words and language, and it's called Something Rhymes With Purple because when we came up with the idea, of the show, I said to Susie, let's call it, well, nothing rhymes with purple, let's call it the purple show. And she said, something rhymes with purple. I said, really, what? And she said, herple, which means to walk with a limp. And there may be one or two other words that rhyme with purple. So that's why it's called something rhymes with purple. It's about words and language. And we're very interested that you're here from Michigan. Thank you so much for coming. Even more so, thank you for staying beyond the interval. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Okay, on we go. Any more questions or are we going to move on to We're your trio? We're going to move on to the trio um, with definitions from our lovely audience because you have submitted some, some gems. Oh, so this is like your usual trio. You're going to give yes. us three words with it, to which there is a genuine definition. Yes. But you've challenged the audience to come up with their own versions. Yes. Fun. So the first one was matter-fangled. Do you remember that? Matter-fangled. Yes. And how do you spell that? Matter. Oh, at M-A-T-T-E-R. Yes. Fang, matter fangled. I thought initially it was going to be something to do with um, uh, bullfighting, you know, when the uh, poor matador oh, ends no. up on the ground. He's been matter fangled. Not the poor matador. Poor bull is where I was going with that one. Right, okay, so we have a lot of people are saying confusion. Yeah. Is that where you would go with it? I would. Matter fangled. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we have the matter with fangs. Oh. We have um, Juan's crazy decision to leave Chelsea. Ah. I love that one. Is it Juan or Juan? Juan Mata. Uh, we have to make someone believe a false definition of a word that has been maliciously advertised as the truth, e.g. Giles Brandreth was matter-fangled. And a Strictly Come Dancing themed dance based on the periodic table. I love that one. Oh, very clever. That's very good. Um, that was from Joan. Very good. We have also Stuart from London. Matter-fangled is when you get a bit stuck between your teeth. Graham in Blackheath. The dentist has messed up mum's dentures again. <laughs> and Sue from Germany, when you've tripped over a rumpled carpet. I love that one. Uh, oh, that very is very good. And a wrangled atom says, who was that? That was Mary. And Ari says, a vampire physicist. Uh, so I've read out lots of them there. How should we decide this, Charles? Should we do... Now, what was your favourite? Well, I... Quite, um, I don't know, I like the Strictly dance. Ah, we like the Strictly. Strictly that Is that, right. Does someone yeah, like that up. one? Yeah. Okay. Let's go with that one. Seven! <laughs> we give it to that one. What, what's that? Who's that? Yeah, so this is Joan Caroline King from Welling in Kent. Well done. And she'll get a prize. Okay. 
she gets a tote bag. A tote bag, whatever that may be. Christmas is coming, yay! Okay. Next word. Rack ups. Rack ups, how do you spell it? R A C K U P S. R A C K. Oh, I didn't tell you what matter function Oh, yes, what does matter? Yes, what does matter? It simply means to have got into a muddle while you're talking. Oh, yeah. matterfangled. Matter, I got really matterfangled yesterday. Yes. Okay, so your rack-ups. Well, anyone's rack-ups. Rack-ups. Yes. I have no idea. Rack-ups. Give us some of the definitions that the audience here Okay. Offer. So we have a structure similar to a bra. <laughs> That's good. Um, and Adam from Walthamstow, I'm not sure I'm going to say thank you to this one, Adam. It's when you hiccup and there's a little bit of sick. Um... Raccoon hiccups. Mm. Oh, I like that one. Uh, people's irritation with others' luggage on a plane. Uh, oh, I think that's actually very clever. Yes, because we're just even standing a fight that behind. develops as a result of it. No, I put my bag there first. You're, you're sitting over there. Why have you put your thing here? I like yes. that. Rack ups. Exactly. Explain this one to me. This is from Mark. Michael Gove's exercise regime. Rack ups. Yeah, move on. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> if you don't know what a bell end is, you're not going to go there. Um, and we have lots of hiccupy type things. A new storage system for frozen barbecue ribs. And that's quite sen- that's quite that clever is. actually. Rack ups, your rack of lamb. You, yeah, I quite like that. Uninterrupted supply of. Uh, oh, I like this one. A duck's hiccups. Oh, rack as opposed up. to quack up. Yes, quack up. up. Oh. Raccoon. Yes. So, what do you think? What do you think? What do you? What did, what did we think? The airplane. I agree. I think we did. I thought that was clever because we've all been in that situation. I agree, and I think if I'm right, that is from Penelope in Wiltshire. Penelope well in Wiltshire. Another tote bag coming your way. Have we got Excellent. a third one? Yes, a third one, Giles. What is oh, the... did you tell us what the real definition was? Oh no, rack ups are your just desserts. Oh, what you have racked up in life. Your just desserts, your rack-ups. Yes. Ooh. Nothing yeah. to do with the desserts that you eat, the sweet puddings, obviously. No, but your just desserts, yeah. your rack-ups. Your rack-ups. Okay, Giles, what is a quanker? A, a quanker? <laughs> a disgusting duck. Uh, I don't know. What yes, is a... lots of, lots of duck ones. A particularly haughty duck. Oh, gosh, I can't read some of these. <laughs> <laughs> It's a family show, goes global. Yes, uh, a smug, irritating duck. Uh, someone, okay, no, I can't do that one. Um, and how is it spelt? Quank. Yeah. Uh. Ah, <laughs> okay, that's it. I wouldn't like to say, but anyway, there are four of them. Quaker with a disagreeable temperament. That's quite clever. Um, we also have masturbation with cheese savouries. <laughs> Uh, and a creaky door, Mike from Essex. Oh, marvellous. Oh, dear. I'm I'm completely queen quackered, but the bell is about to toll. Yes, go on. Well, that's it. I'm going to leave them as that. So, anybody got any favourites? Well, I don't don't think we'd admit to it if we did. (laughs) Uh, Quanker. A quanker. You choose one. A banker who had to retrain in psychology during recession. Sorry. Okay. Um, oh, that's quite clever, actually. A banker who had to retrain. You know, because we know that uh, you know a, a duck when it has a breakdown quacks up, and this is what happens to a banker. 
Yes. Quite like that. Okay, so are we going to go with masturbation with quavers or are we going to go for a smug, oh, irritating Oh, I see masturbation dog? with quavers. It's a portmanteau. Oh, as a portmanteau word, I think that gets it, doesn't it? Do you Absolute. think? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you know, now we've put the idea into the public domain, I bet you within a year, Channel 4 <laughs> will have it as a show. <laughs> and you and I will be asked to appear on Celebrity Crankers. Am I right in thinking that came from Michael in Enfield? Michael in Enfield? You're going to own yes. up to Are you owning up to that? Well done, Mike. <laughs> um, Hilarious. And did you give us what the real definition was? Oh, I'm so was? sorry. I never do this. You're, okay. you're so, you're so, so meta-fangled today. You're I am. forgetting where you are. I like this one. So a quanker is somebody who settles a dispute. Oh, I think that's very good. A yes. quanker settles a dispute. Yes. Very so good. The opposite of what you might think. Well, my poem today... I wanted to give you something that was theatrical, since we're in this beautiful Fortune Theatre here in the West End of London, a theatre that's a century old. And I picked down from my shelf one of my favourite books, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Now, regular listeners will know that I was lucky enough when I was a little boy to be a server uh, at a church in London, uh, St Stephen's in Gloucester Road. And one of the sidesmen at this church was the great T.S. Eliot. So when I was a little boy, I knew T.S. Eliot and talked to him about his poetry, not his big, serious poetry, but these lovely book of Practical Cats poems that he wrote in the 1930s for his own godchildren. And indeed, T.S. Eliot encouraged me to learn Macavity the Mystery Cat, which I think I probably performed before. Uh, this one, I'm going to just read you part of it. I can't read you the whole poem because you haven't got time. It's uh, called Gus the Theatre Cat. If you want to see this poem performed, I think, magically, get out on video or download it or somehow find the film Cats. It was panned, this film. I, I enjoyed it. It was a, 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 the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical version of Cats with Judy Dench in it, but also Ian McKellen appeared. And he performed uh, as a song the poem I'm about to read to you. And... It was a mesmerising five minutes of cinema. I really recommend it. I'm going to give you one minute of a reading now. Uh, the beginning of Gus the Theatre Cat, spoken at the Fortune Theatre by me, but the poem is by T.S. Eliot. Gus is the cat at the theatre door. His name, as I ought to have told you before, is really Asparagus. That's such a fuss to pronounce that we usually call him just Gus. His coat's very shabby, he's thin as a rake, and he suffers from palsy that makes his paw shake. Yet he was, in his youth, quite the smartest of cats, but no longer a terror to mice and to rats. For he isn't the cat that he was in his prime, though his name was quite famous, he says, in its time. And whenever he joins his friends at their club, which takes place at the back of the neighbourhood pub, he loves to regale them if someone else pays with anecdotes drawn from his palmiest days. For he once was a star of the highest degree. He acted with Irving, he acted with Tree, and he likes to relate his success on the halls where the gallery once gave him seven cat calls. But his grandest creation, as he loves to tell, was far fro refiddle, the fiend of the fell. Thank you very much indeed.
for joining us. This has been Something Rhymes with Purple. It's something else production. It was produced by Sophie, Sophie. <laughs> Andrew, Sam, Chris, Jen, Harriet Wells, and I'm afraid he's not here today because let's, let's face it, he's just never around anymore. <laughs> we think of him as gully. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being with us. And next time, uh, meet us again, either here at the Fortune Theatre or at the Oxford Playhouse, or just by listening to the podcast wherever you find it. And keep in touch with us. It's purple at somethingelse.com. Meanwhile, thank you for being part of our purple people today. Goodbye. Thank you.